Our scriptures from the first chapter of John, read chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. My pastor, when I was a little boy, was a Baptist preacher in Statesville, North Carolina. His name was J.B. Parker, Jr. And every Sunday morning, when he read his text, Pastor Parker would say, Will you show respect to the reading of the Word of God by standing? And I became an ARP later on, and well, they don't do that very much. And several years ago, a friend of mine who was preaching at that time in Statesville asked me if I would come and preach some special services, and I did. And I looked out, and Pastor Parker, almost 90 years old, had come to hear me because he read in the paper I was speaking. And he was sitting right there with his wife on the front row, and I announced my text and I didn't ask anyone to stand, and he looked at me with a look that made me feel very terrible. And I resolved then that whether we liked it or not, we were going to stand for the reading. So if you would please stand for the reading of our text. <clears throat> if you don't like it, I hadn't got all my stuff out of Mississippi yet, let me know. <laughs> John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he. Of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Our Father in heaven, again, we come before you and ask that by your sheer grace and mercy you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit that we would see the Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up and that his sheep would hear his voice and know him and follow him and that we would offer ourselves to you, promptly and sincerely. So come and speak to us in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. 
How can I know God? Is there any question more important than that? That's why God put this church here on May 24th, 1893. And that's why this church is still here today. So people can know God. This church has a reputation of being a church full of children. This church is committed to being a place where children can come to know God. When all is said and done for each of us, the only thing that will matter is, did we know God? And so God says, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. How can I know God? In the next few weeks, I'll be trying to get to know you. Now, what if instead, me of me trying to get to know you, I showed up and told you what I think you ought to be? Some new preachers have tried that. They always stay new preachers. Because you'd be looking for another preacher pretty quick if I did that, wouldn't you? You don't tell someone who they are or what you want them to be. We can't make people be what they want. Maybe you thought you would make your husband what you want him to be, and you have failed. They are who they are. It works that way with God, too. We can't make him what we want him to be. We can't base our knowledge of God on what we feel or think He's like, or if we're honest, what we wish He would be like. No, our knowledge of God must come from Him. He must tell us who He is, or we'll never know. And our culture today would tell us that That is indeed the case. We can't really know who God is, not with any degree of certainty anyway. That's dogmatic. That's closed-minded and exclusive. No one can really know who or what God is. We're all in this together, trying to do the best we can. But our religion teaches us that you can know God. And you can be sure about it. You can know who He is because He has made Himself known. Because He wants you to know Him. And He wants to know you. 
And that's what the Gospel of John is all about. John says near the end that he wrote this book so that we might have life, that is, eternal life. And in John 17, in verse 3, the Lord Jesus says, And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God. To know God is eternal life. And so John, who wants us to have eternal life, is going to tell us how to know God. Let's look at it. First in this passage, you see that Jesus is God. Look at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now John opens his book with familiar words. We, we might say that John paid Moses the highest form of praise. Because he lifted his first words straight from the first verse of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, what? In the beginning, God. And so if we'd been reading this 2,000 years ago for the first time and we'd gotten past the first couple words, we would be expecting God in the beginning, God. But it has something else there where we expected God. And you see, it is the Word. The Word in John. 1-1 is in the exact same position that God is in the first verse of the whole Bible. But then he says the Word was with God. So we might be puzzled. Sounds like the Word is God, but now you say He's with God. But then again at the end of verse 1, he says the Word was God. And maybe by now we're really confused. But the Word, whatever it is, is God. That much is clear, at least. So what's the Word? Look at verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word is the only Son of the Father, made flesh, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus. But if you're still not convinced, look at verse 17. Now the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The grace and truth that the Word was full of came by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the Word and the Word is God. Make no mistake about it. John is saying Jesus is God. And he tells us things about Jesus that make it unmistakably plain that He is God. First he tells us Jesus is is the Creator. Look at verse 3. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. That's what you'd expect from a quotation of Genesis 1. In the beginning, what? God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and all things were made by Him. After decades of praying... A couple of years ago, I finally had Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door. And I was glad to let them in. 
And I got them to John 1 as quick as I could because, you know, they don't believe Jesus is God. That's really what they want to do is come see us, persuade us Jesus is not God and get us in the kingdom hall. And generally, if you talk to them, they will go to John 1 and tell you that it doesn't really say what it says. And this very nice gentleman told me that Jesus was the very first thing God made, the biggest and greatest thing God made, and God loves him most of all. And I asked him, what about John 1, 3? It says Jesus made everything and nothing was made without him. And he said to me, well, yes, God made Jesus and then Jesus made everything else. And I said, but it says in John 1, 3, nothing was made that wasn't made by Jesus. So if Jesus was made, he must have made himself. But if he made himself, he already was. And then he couldn't have been made. And my visitor then said, uh, oh, let's talk about Colossians. <laughs> we'll come back to that conversation in a bit. But Jesus, as God, is the maker of all things. And John also tells us that Jesus is a source of life. Look at verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Of course, again, thinking back to Genesis, first thing God said was, let there be light. That's where all created life began, light. And John says that the light of men is the life that is in Jesus. In other words... We derive our life and existence from Him. He is the source of all life. You know, some of us are known for being independent. But we're not really independent. We're just honoring. No one is actually independent. Our life came from our biological parents. We depended on a placenta and umbilical cord. We depend on the dirt and sun and rain. We're not dependent at all when you think about it. We constantly draw our life from outside sources, but not the Word, not Jesus. In him was life. Only God is truly independent. He alone was never born. He always is. The great I am. And John says this is true of the word, Jesus, because he is God. You see that Jesus is God. Secondly, you see that Jesus enjoys the closest relationship with the Father. He enjoys the closest relationship with the Father. Look at verse 1 again. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. As well as being God, the Word was with God. So there's some distinction there. And again, my visitor that day brought this up. He said that it doesn't say in the Greek that the Word was God. 
It says he was a God. Well, this fellow got all confused on that point, and I actually had to tell him what the Jehovah's Witnesses believe, and I tried to explain to him the rules of Greek grammar about the use of definite articles in the case of a predicate noun, and he didn't know what to do. And I really don't know that much about Greek, to be honest with you, but they make you learn all the Greek rules in John 1.1 so you can argue in seminary, so you can argue with Jehovah's Witnesses or any other liberal who doesn't believe that Jesus is really God. And I don't want to pose as a Greek scholar in the sacred desk. But this is pretty amazing stuff here. The way John constructed it in the Greek, it says that the word was God. But John phrased it in such a way as not to restrict the Godhead to the one person of the word. In other words... This is where we get the Trinity. The Word is fully God. The fullness of God is in the Word, and yet the Word is not the only divine person. And so not only is the Word God, but He is with God. Look at verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God or the only begotten Son, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. He is at the Father's side. The the old King James says it best. It says he is in the bosom of the Father. He is in his Father's heart. The Son enjoys the closest fellowship and perfect love of the Father. He is in his bosom. The old gospel hymn says there is a place of quiet rest. Near to the heart of God, a place where sin cannot molest. Near to the heart of God, O Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God. That's it. That's where it came from. The perfect place where all is just right and happy and sin cannot enter and mess things up. Nothing's wrong at all with God in the bosom of the Father. You see that Jesus is God. Jesus enjoys the closest relationship with the Father. Thirdly, you see that Jesus became flesh. Look at verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen His glory. Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Again, you see heavy theology here. The Word became flesh. He's still the Word. He didn't stop being the Word who is God. But without ceasing to be what He already was, He became something He was not. That's roughly how Augustine said it. In other words, he became a man without ceasing to be God. He remained the creator. He remained the source of life. But now he takes something on himself. 
in verse 14. And John uses the most human, what we might call the most down-to-earth language possible. He became flesh. Just like us. He became a man. And look at the reception he received when he came. One of your elders asked me a couple weeks ago, what kind of welcome did we want today? He, he said we could have a dinner after church, or if that was too, too much, we could have a, more of a reception, a, a meet and greet. And I thought, I don't want to stand around all afternoon, sit punching glad hand, I want to eat. So thank you. But look at the reception they gave Jesus when he came. Look at verse 9. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The Creator entered the world he had made, and he was not received. His own people wouldn't have him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Verse 5 says the light, that's Jesus, the light was shining in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. And you see that Light wins. The darkness does not overcome the light. Jesus wins. But you see already there's going to be a struggle against him. The same word who was from all eternity with God in the bosom of the Father enjoying perfect peace, love, joy, and fulfillment. The ultimate relationship entered into an existence in which the very creatures who depended on Him for their life would have nothing to do with Him. Why? You see, Jesus is God. He enjoys the closest relationship with the Father. He became flesh. Fourthly, you see that Jesus is communication. He is communication. Look at verse 1 again. In the beginning was the Word. You ever wonder, a great many of us learned this when we were children. Some of us known this for decades. Why did John call Jesus the Word. Why did he choose to call him the Word? Why didn't he just say in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God? It'd be so simple. Some say it's because John was tapping into Greek philosophy, but I highly doubt John was into Greek philosophy. No, it's not that complicated. What is God's Word? What is your Word? Your word is how you express yourself. God's word is how he expresses himself to his people. You know, the prophet said, the word of the Lord came to the prophet. 
And the prophet took that message and said, Hear the word of the Lord. It's how God communicates himself. Jesus is the word. He is God's self-expression. Jesus is how God communicates himself to us. And John makes it clear that's what he means at the very end of this opening passage. Look at verse 18. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus has made the Father known. He has made the invisible God visible. Jesus is God's self-revelation of himself to us. Look at verse 16. For from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. What do you mean we've received grace upon grace? He explains it in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. You see that, verse 17. Law, Moses, grace and truth, Jesus Christ. Now some think, think Moses, Moses is all law, law is bad, Jesus is grace, all grace, grace is good. No, that's not the point. Grace upon grace. Moses was grace. The law of Moses was grace. What's the law of Moses? It was the word of God. It was gracious of God to give his word. But greater grace and a greater word has come. You know, it says there in verse 18, no one has seen God at any time. Yeah, that's, that's thinking of Moses. In one place it says Moses went to the tent and met with God face to face, but that's just a figure of speech. He didn't really see God face to face in the tent because you remember one time Moses asked God to show him his glory and God said, no one can see me and live. But i tell you what you do. I'll hide you in the cleft of a rock when I pass by to protect you from my glory. But then as I'm fading off into the horizon, I'll let you come out and see just a little bit as I'm fading away. Not even Moses, to whom the word of the Lord was given, could see God. But Jesus has made him known. The Word became flesh and we have seen His glory and the glory of God in Jesus Christ did not kill us but gave us eternal life. What had prevented Moses and what would prevent all of us from seeing God in His glory is our sin. But in His flesh Jesus bore our sin. He died for our sin. He himself bore our sin in his, what? In his body, in his flesh, on the tree. That through his flesh, we could see the glory of God. 
and not die, but live forever. The Word became flesh so that we could know God. So how can I know God? Look at Jesus. He who's seen me has seen the Father. We say someone is as good as his word. That means that that person is honest and they do what they say they're going to do. They don't break commitments. When someone is as good as their word, that means that their word truly communicates who they are and what they will do. John is telling us that Jesus is God's word and God, the invisible God, is as good as his word. So you see that Jesus is God. He enjoys the closest relationship with the Father. He became flesh. Jesus is communication. And fifthly and finally, you see that Jesus demands a response. Look at verse 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now look at verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. Why does John the apostle bring up John the Baptist? Well, he says here twice that John the Baptist bore witness that is testimony about Jesus. You see, John, the Apostle John, is saying, I'm not just giving you some information. I'm giving you testimony. I'm not just telling you some things that happened. I'm giving you an affidavit so that you, based on that testimony, can reach a verdict that you might believe. Look at verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, not the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, to believe in Jesus is to have eternal life. It is to become a child of God. To join the eternally begotten Son in the bosom of the Father. To believe in Jesus is to have eternal life. To have eternal life is to know God. And so to believe in Jesus is to know God. Will you believe? Will you receive Him? Will you know God? Now John, at the end of his gospel, he he ties it all together. He shows us a man who found out how to know God. We read it earlier, John chapter 20, Thomas. 
You remember Jesus had risen and appeared to his disciples, but Thomas was not there. And they told him, we've seen the Lord, he's risen. But you remember, doubting Thomas said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. And a week later, Jesus comes back and he appears to them behind locked doors. And this time, Thomas is there. And Jesus says to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And you remember what Thomas said? My Lord and my God. He met God. He saw the glory of God. Where? In the flesh. In the wounded flesh of Jesus Christ, the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. He, and only He, is how you and I can know God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.